Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. And of course, as always, we love to hear from you. If you do have a specific topic or a recommendation that you'd be interested in suggesting, please send us an email at podcasts at hci.org. We'd love to hear from you. I am so excited today to have Meg Shea from the New York Life Group Benefit Solutions. She leads strategy for that group, and she's been a thought leader in the employee benefit space and has even worked in the industry for over 17 years now. Meg, gosh, we are so delighted to have you here with us, and I'd love to hear from you because this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, too. Tell me a little bit about why you're so qualified to talk with uh, the idea of mental health today. Thanks so much, Cindy, for that introduction and that lovely compliment. I'm really excited to be here today. So thanks so much for having me. You know, I'd say most of my career has been spent working directly with clients and brokers. So supporting them as they seek to build, implement, and educate on their employer-offered benefit programs. So I now lead strategy, product, and marketing to help develop and to ensure that the products and services that we offer are meeting the changing needs of consumers. So I think sort of that long tenure directly working with employers to truly understand what they and their employees need really well positioned me to develop products for the future. And I think there's a tremendous opportunity for employers and for us to evolve our services to better meet the needs of people. Um, So I'm really passionate about the topic that we're going to talk about today. And I just want to thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on too. And I think I read a little bit about this too when I was reading about you, Meg. You know, we've kind of found our way through 2020 till now, right? And there's been, as you mentioned, even in that little intro there too, like there's been so much change in the needs of our employees, employers. So yeah, it's so topical for us even here at HCI. So we're delighted that you could be with us. But that brings me to, you know, really, I think the headline here for, you know, the importance of this conversation, and that is that New York Life Group Benefit Solutions had recently released some data on employees who are caring for loved ones with mental health, mental illness, whether diagnosed or not. Can you share a little bit about what you saw or have gleamed from that data as key takeaways when we think about that need? Absolutely. So our survey highlights the ways mental health caregiving can impact work productivity. It talks about the reticence that employees have surrounding mental health discussions in the workplace and the need that employees have for more mental health benefits. So specifically, the survey revealed to us that almost half of employed adults surveyed, so 48%, have helped a loved one live with a mental health challenge in the past year. And 80% of surveyed workers say helping a loved one manage a mental health challenge impacted their own mental health as a result. And despite experiencing these challenges and you know, a vast majority of the population experiencing these challenges, more than half of surveyed workers have not informed anyone at their company about their caregiving responsibilities. 
This is really important for employers to understand, and I believe an opportunity for us at New York Life Group Benefit Solutions to think differently about what our consumers need from us as we seek to support their overall well-being. Yeah, I am jotting down my notes here. And, you know, of course, I jot the half employees live with mental health, the 80 percent. And then that very last comment that you made, that half of those surveyed, I think I have that right. Nobody in the company knows that that's what they're managing. Oh, I know. Right. That's like such a huge stressor. Having been in a family that lived with that, like that is such a huge stressor. Oh, and I say this every few episodes. I began my career even as a social worker in community mental health. So, you know, that idea of reducing stigma and given obviously what you just shared, there's still a hesitation that exists around talking about mental health in the workplace. What are you seeing about that? Yeah, we found that many caregivers are hesitant to discuss their mental health challenges in the workplace for a few reasons. That could include heavy workloads or a fear of negative consequences, such as being viewed as less productive or reliable. To sort of the reaction you just said, many times if they did share, it probably would help for some better and healthier dialogue, but they don't share as a fear of that they're sort of tipping their employer off, that they are less productive or they are less reliable. Maybe they wouldn't give them a project. So in particular, Female millennial and Gen X caregivers reported experiencing more mental health challenges than their male counterparts, but they're less likely to seek support at work. So these findings highlight the opportunity for workplaces to create safe and supportive environments and cultures where employees feel comfortable discussing their mental health, just sharing. And, you know, sometimes calling it mental health is too much for someone. It's really sharing what's going on in their life that we know they bring to work every day. So sharing more of the caregiving challenges and accessing the help that they need. We have many clients, actually most clients right now, this is top priority for them. They're focused on building cultures where it is okay to discuss the emotional toll that balancing multiple responsibilities in and out of work can have. That could look like creating support groups and or training managers how to create time and space that really enables stronger relationships and the ability for teams to work more closely together to align workloads with our own personal loads that can sort of ebb and flow. And as you know, historically speaking, that's not how work worked. (laughs) And so, you know, we need to slowly make that the new normal to bring that to work and allow us to better sort of align our work and our personal loads that we're carrying. I know this is an old adage, and I don't know if you still run across this in your space or you find that you might use it as an example, but you know, I think about the idea that if we or a loved one in our family had diabetes or we or a loved one in our family had a heart condition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that medical need, right? is probably looked after as more of a, oh my gosh, are you taking care of yourself? Are you on the right medication if need be? What can we do for you? But it's interesting how that shifts when we say there is a mental health or mental illness. Does that ever come up, that difference between that medical versus that mental health? Absolutely, that comes up. And, you know, one thing that you said to me there is, you know, we're talking a lot about caregiving mental health here. And so many times when a caregiver is asked how they are, they're going to respond with, 
how the person that they're taking care of is. And it's sort of forgetting about that there's a mental and an emotional toll that is happening to them outside of what they're helping somebody with. So part of it is like understanding how different stressors impact you, even if you're not the one going through something. And that's uncomfortable for people who are really, you know, they're givers. They don't want to say I'm hurting because somebody could be dealing with something they deem more important, like a medical issue. So absolutely. I think that it's very easy to talk about a medical issue. It's very challenging to admit that there are mental issues that are associated with helping others. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I said, I mean, even in my entry into that community mental health space all these years ago, right? It's We are seeing change. And I definitely, as you said, as you were talking about it, needs are changing and more organizations are recognizing it and more organizations are making it a priority. So yeah, a lot of work to do, but we're seeing and now hearing, right? The emphasis of that is definitely making that change. You mentioned something, Meg, around stressors, and we've been talking about caring for others with mental health issues, and I know costs just in general around us are rising (laughs) exponentially. I just saw a Facebook thread this morning about someone saying to other moms, hey, the cost of cereal or the cost of breakfast bars are now going up $2, so we know costs around us are rising quickly. And in turn, then creating financial stressors for many that may impact others or even our own well-being. What are you seeing, if anything, as this kind of feeds into the content employers can do to even help with that issue? Yeah, you're spot on to connect those two things. You know, our research found that financial stressors can have a negative impact on mental well-being, with nearly half of respondents reporting the family economic situation as the leading cause of mental health challenges for spouses and for partners. Employers can better support their teams by taking, you know, inventory of their existing benefit programs and considering offering financial wellness resources, such as access to financial planning tools and programs, as well as support for, you know, budgeting, managing debt and other financial stressors. So you're spot on that financial stress ties into overall mental well-being. And those things are all very connected. You know, today we find that most employers are offering some sort of financial wellness support. So that's a good thing based on what we just said. But many times those offerings can be disparate services spread across many different, you know, insurance, 401k products. So it's not really easy navigation for an employee that is already stressed and probably short on time to do this sort of investigation. You know, we see a tremendous opportunity to simplify, to consolidate, and to expand these type of services that employers offers to really meet the diverse needs of consumers who probably have multiple different sort of competing stressors going on at one time. You know, we're actually, New York Life is in the process right now. We're building our own financial well-being product. And our focus and differentiation will actually be in hitting on exactly what you just talked about. How do you tie financial, physical, and mental stress together, as opposed to simply honing in on the financials? Because honestly, 
Cindy, we don't approach our lives in a compartmentalized way. We don't even always know exactly what is our biggest stressor. We're all moving so fast. So we really need products and services that serve our whole selves and help to sort of feed up the help that is needed depending on any given day of what's going on. So that would be my advice for employers. How do you successfully ensure you have a diverse set of benefits that are also easily navigated and offered at the time that people need them? Understanding that people are busy, we have a diverse employee base, and people's stressors, you know, they ebb and flow, they change depending on the time period in their life or depending on the week or the month that you're sitting in. We just released a pod with Stephen Cardwell from Premise Health, and one of his key words, and you're leaning right into this, it's that same, and it's good, right? We need to hear this over and over again, but it's you mentioned the term ease, right? Making it easy, making it accessible when people need it. And everybody has different needs at different times, right? And so that's kind of what you're talking about is how do we provide these benefit solutions to your clients that then ultimately are meeting the needs of their employees. So that's, and I love the expansion around maintaining that financial health too, because I think that, you know, oftentimes organizations like, here's your 401k, here's your retirement, but it's so much more than that. That's exactly right. It's sort of like cutting through the noise. You know, we live in a time where information is not something we're short on, but time is something that we're short on. So how do we help people cut through the noise and get access to the great benefits that they have? I think, you know, if you talk to employers, that's one of their biggest frustrations is they offer these benefits. They go underutilized because I don't think employees are always the best at understanding what they need, having the time to go investigate it. How do we make this easier for them? Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that in your previous response that you, you know, targeted that language as well. So we talked a little bit, and this may add into the previous conversation, but we did talk a little bit about those financial stressors and really, you know, holistically how that has impacts on our employees. But the research also really offers highlights for employers, as I know you had just mentioned some of those tips as well. So what else do you think in regards to those employees who are caring for loved ones with mental health issues, mental illness, how can employers better support those employees? Any thoughts around that? Yeah, so employees who are caring for loved ones with mental health challenges, you know, they report feeling overwhelmed, stressed, and distracted at work, as well as a lack of support and resources from their employer. In fact, the survey found that 61% of respondents said helping their loved ones cope with mental health challenges has impacted their work productivity. And this makes sense, um, right? I know anytime my stress is high or I'm juggling too many things, I have a tendency to be a little less disciplined with my focus, you know, a little distracted and many times feeling as if I'm doing nothing right. I know I'm not alone in that feeling and we'd be crazy to think that this doesn't impact work in the workplace. I think there are a few steps that employers can take to better support their teams. The first step is taking an inventory of current available benefits to see what is already included and where there might be opportunity for additional, or maybe I should say expanded resources. Next, we just hit on this, it's important to drive simplification, accessibility, and awareness of what is currently available. And this should happen throughout the year. 
not just at benefits enrollment time, which is many times when we do the most communication. And that's a time where people are bombarded with information and probably top of mind for them is making healthcare decisions. They might not be anticipating that mental health is going to spike for them later in the year, and they're not thinking back there. So how do we communicate throughout the year? Employers should also explore you know, training and education specific to mental health needs, as well as development of advocates for mental well-being throughout the organization. You know, many of our clients leverage us or other vendors to provide some sort of mental health training for managers and leaders. You know, this is a new world. There are new expectations on what it means to be a leader that really becomes like a culture carrier for organizations. So at New York Life, we actually have employees who are certified and able to teach and provide what's called mental health first aid training. It's a certification from the National Council for Mental Wellbeing. It helps train managers on, you know, how to talk about mental health, making space for it, how to respond and connect with employees who have mental health challenges or are just simply going through hard times. So last year, you know, we're really proud that we trained over 600 managers across multiple employers. We anticipate that this number will grow as more and more employers understand that in order to drive utilization in these programs and impact overall well-being, the leaders really need to be the culture carriers of sort of the importance of these benefits. Um, And I'll say one more thing. Um, Employers also, you know, it's top of mind that they should consider flexible work arrangements and paid time off specific to caregiving needs to help employees manage their caregiving responsibilities while also trying to find a work-life balance. You know, this is probably, if you asked employees, this would be the first thing that they say. This is top of mind for them. And it is very, very important. But I actually like to start with the benefits and support because time alone doesn't help people solve mental health issues. They need the support in addition to the time. The time allows them to do more tasks for others, but it doesn't always help them to address themselves. And that's really what we're getting at here is what is the emotional toll that comes along with these additional responsibilities. Thank you, Meg, for going through that list. It's so valuable for our community to kind of get those step-by-step ways in which we can think differently. And you kind of just laid it out for them. So thank you for doing that. I'm a huge fan of that. Just an observation on my own part. A, both you and I have talked about the value of this conversation. But B, to go right along with that, this mention about exploring training and education, you know, across that organization I was just sharing with somebody the other day, I was teaching an HCI class this week and we stayed on after class and we were just chatting. He was sharing a little bit of his story with me. And I said, you know, that's interesting that you're sharing that with me. I just received an email from a consultancy that I have done work with in the past and they're looking for trainers with experience in the topic of mental well-being. And they talked about how they want to talk about mental health. And it's kind of this bench role, which I identify as meaning there are more organizations that are leaning into this idea that our employees need support. They need support. I love how you ended. I could start with the time. I could start with the flexible benefits, but they need support. 
So it just echoes what you're sharing about really expanding within your organization, the support that you're providing. So thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. All right. So priorities, priorities, priorities. What do you think about mental health of employees and caregivers and this idea of prioritization? Why is it so important for employers to prioritize that mental well-being of employees and caregivers? You know, the survey found that three in four caregivers wish their employer would offer more benefits focused on mental health. So, you know, I would say we found that mental health benefits play a key role in employee satisfaction, with most caregivers saying it's important to have a positive working experience and feel supported. So 90% of those we surveyed said that having a positive working experience and feeling supported is important to them. So hands down, you know, the number one reason I'd say is that it's important to employees um, and they're telling us that. We also found that more than a quarter, so 29% of caregivers surveyed, believe that there is no one at their company who is equipped to help them find mental health resources. You know, earlier we were chatting about the role of a manager or a leader and how that is changing. That's how most employees interact with an organization on a day-to-day basis is through their direct leadership. So how do we do a better job, not just marketing these at the highest level or putting them on a work intranet site, but really ensuring that the leaders have the time and the space to be educated on our benefits and see that as part of their role. And while many employers have made an effort to increase benefit offerings designed to address things like elder care and child care needs, caregiving associated with mental health, I think, is an opportunity for employers. And we continue to see benefits that we know people need go underutilized. I think this is simply because they are not top of mind and simply accessed in the times of need. The survey findings show that many caregivers are struggling with their mental health and are turning to their employers for resources and guidance. So the question is both, what are the benefits? And then how do we best connect the employee to those benefits in the manner that works for them? So circling back to your question, why do you think it is so important for employers? I think employees are telling us that it's important to them and they're looking at their employer. And so in order to have a more engaged workforce, in order to have a healthier workforce. You know, we all bring our whole self to work. I think it's important that they prioritize this as sort of a foundation to everything else. So Meg, you shared some really relevant data highlights from that survey. And then you closed here by talking about, you know, at the end of the day, ultimately we want a safe space. We want our workforce to feel engaged Are you seeing, and this probably is just general for the number of years you've been in the industry, are you seeing that the addition of being mindful and thoughtful of caregiving and serving those mental health needs or as a priority are, anecdotally, of course, are you seeing that that is having an impact on the engagement level of the workforce? I would say anecdotally, yes. I think that the positive trend that I'm seeing is more and more employers are offering expanded benefits. And we're seeing more insurance carriers or other people who offer these benefits step up to the plate. 
and think differently about their products and services, which is the right thing to be doing. I do think that we could see better utilization. I think we now need to be focused on utilization. How do we help people who are already busy, overwhelmed, you know, not focused because of all the competing responsibilities? How do we serve it up in the simplest way so they actually access and get the help that they need? So I think I'm seeing a trend of it being provided. I think I want to see, you know, people who say they want it, it's being provided. How do we connect them to it in a more meaningful and a connected way to actually help them make progress? So I would say I feel really optimistic about how far we've come, but I think the opportunity is tremendous to actually help people capitalize on that. Absolutely. And I don't have the words exactly that you had used previously, but I also sense that utilization comes back to one of the questions that we had talked about and kind of reducing that stigma. We have the products. We want folks to utilize those products, but it's also, as you said earlier, it's providing that supporting organization coming from our leaders, coming from our managers to provide that support that it's okay. You know, if you're working as somebody that is managing some stressors or mental health concerns or you're caregiving for somebody, it's okay. Absolutely. And building practices internally that help say that. Just saying it isn't enough, but are you doing more with cross-training and the ability to work share? To say it is great, but what are the practices that support what you're saying that actually make it a reality? I love that. And I appreciate that you enhanced my language there too, because you're absolutely right. We can say it, saying is part of it, giving time is part of it, but actually being able to put that into a practice is a big deal. Well, as we close out, as you heard me all mention, I love being able to provide some tips or steps, if you will. Can we just circle back? You've probably kind of at a high level have talked about some of this as we've gone through, but to just really to trail us out, right, to get us through to the end here, what steps can employers take to, as we were just talking about, create a more openness around mental health discussions in the workplace? You know, I'd say in order to improve the benefits they may already be offering, employers should take inventory of what is available and ensure that they offer a range of mental health benefits and resources. This could include access to counseling sessions, support groups, employee assistance programs. As we talked about, it could also include financial well-being resources, as financial stressors can have a negative impact on mental well-being. So really ensuring these two things are connected. Lastly, and we spoke about this, flexible work arrangements and paid time off specific to caregiving needs complemented with that support can truly help employees find an effective work-life balance while managing caregiving responsibilities, while simultaneously helping them to navigate the mental health components of that caregiving. You know, beyond offering comprehensive benefits that support mental well-being, employers can ensure the benefits are accessible, simplified, and offered to the employee when they need it, and not just at enrollment time. They can also identify and designate experts and advocates around mental health benefits 
and resources, as well as implement mental health related training and education for employees and most importantly for leaders. So really truly thinking about making it a part of the culture, not just a part of the benefit program. So rethinking what employees need from their employer, what they need from their leadership. These actions, I think, can help employees feel more comfortable with discussing mental health and caregiving responsibilities. It will help employers to drive utilizations in the programs that they choose to pay for and offer. And it can help improve overall populations and their well-being, which in turn makes them a more productive and satisfied in and out of work, which is really what we're all looking to try to achieve. You know, as you're talking Here's the term that came to mind as you're wrapping us up and really kind of giving us a summary of what action employers can take. But what came to mind as you were talking is thank you for helping to guide and coach employers to allow their employees to come to work as their most authentic selves. That's really what everything you all are talking about and supporting and offering and encouraging. You know, that's really at the end of the day to be able to be authentic. Absolutely. And Cindy, thank you so much for making, you know, the time and the space for us to have this important discussion. I think it's part of the first step in helping employers and employees to get there. So thank you for having me. We loved having you. And as you and I both shared as we chatted before, it's a topic that's near and dear to both of us. So I really appreciate your time for being here. So yes, thank you. Thank you, Meg. All right, Nine to Thrive listeners, just a couple of things here. A quick reminder, if you do have topics or suggestions or recommendations for guests, please send us an email at podcasts at hci.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. For Nine to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in. Make it a great day, everyone.